Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. Hey there, Post Institute. This is Christy Sol, the co-founder, coming at you live with another episode of Post Daily Dose, the best little parenting show on the internet. I hope you guys are having a fabulous day today. I'll tell you what. Today was wear your favorite sweatshirt day at work. <laughs> Me and my coworkers, who usually happen to be my two dogs, along with my daughter, <laughs> felt like today was wear your favorite sweatshirt to work day. <laughs> and I needed that because sometimes you just need those little extra comforts so that um, even when days are difficult or long or there's just a lot to it today, um, then at least you don't have to feel uncomfortable in the clothes that you're wearing. So it's favorite to, favorite sweatshirt Tuesday. Hey, Joni, it's good to see you. And um, thanks for letting me come back. Uh, after our live yesterday, I came back later last night because um, I'm a percolator. Um, sometimes it takes a while for me to, like, finish thoughts or complete thoughts or, you know, I kind of have to let things percolate and imagine a little bit um, so that I can get a little deeper. And so thank you for letting me come back and add a comment to our conversation yesterday um, when you were talking about your son and challenges around water and just kind of brainstorming about ideas. And Bethany, I'm glad, Yahoo, you did it too. <laughs> yay, yay, yay. Let's plug the books just real quick, Brad's book from Fear to Love that you can get on promotion at feartolovebook.com. $7.95 is the cost on that site. And when you buy it, you get an immediate download version that you can listen to on audio plus a couple of other bonuses. So that's pretty awesome. And we've got Brian's book, The Great Behavior Breakdown, that you can get on our website, postinstitute.com or on Amazon. And also this incredible workbook. And I do mean that this workbook is incredible. It will invite you deeper and deeper into self-understanding as well as understanding of your child. And um, it is through understanding, it is our belief that it is through understanding that once we really embrace a different paradigm of understanding, that is the avenue for creating change and coming up with ideas of things that might be helpful to you and to your family. You know, um, Joni, you said you needed to reread, and I'll be honest with you, I can't tell you how many times I've read that book. And even when, you know, I've read it like probably, oh, I don't know, 15, 20 times. And sometimes I don't even read it all the way through. I'll just pick up and read a chapter here or there and kind of, you know, the, the, the paradigm that we teach isn't the dominant story. You know, the dominant story that's taught in the world and that most of us grew up in is a story of punishment, that when behavior is, is challenging or when someone is behaving in a way that doesn't fit the environment that they're in, that we punish it and we push them away. But what we know um, is that especially for children who have pre-birth and early life trauma, whose brains are sensitive, stress sensitive, um, who are rejection sensitive. Um, I don't sound clear. Well, let's just add. The microphone off. So sometimes it connects and then it disconnects, like in the middle of talking. Like, I don't know why it does that. So maybe I just need to get a new microphone. But what I was saying is that for kids who come from tough places, 
um, pushing them away, sending them away with their upset feelings, actually any child, when we send them away with their upset feelings, like with time out, we're not actually giving them any tools to learn how to calm. What we are teaching them is to suppress. What we're teaching them is that if you can't act right, you have to go be by yourself as opposed to come, come sit next to me and let me help you learn how to calm yourself down. Let me teach you. Let me help teach your brain that it's safe. Let me help inject some oxytocin into your brain so your amygdala won't be so flipped. But when we just punish or we, we send them away to deal with the upset feelings alone, they're not getting those pieces of teaching. And I'll tell you, as being a child who grew up in the era of being sent to my room with my upset feelings, I'll tell you what happened to me when I was in there. And those were the first memories I have of having suicidal thoughts. I felt defeated. I felt like I didn't belong. I felt persecuted. I felt victimized. I felt um, I'd lay in there and cry. I'd have my face buried in the pillow and I'd be thinking I could just smother myself because they would all be better off without me. Don't you just hear them in there having so much fun without me? None of that was coming from a place that was, um, those were lies. Those were lies and those lies came from Earlier times when I had to be separated from my mother and all kinds of stuff. But you don't know. You don't know what kind of uh, thoughts are being hatched during those times when a very upset child is sent to deal with their upset feelings alone. So, today, that is not that is not even the message. <laughs> I don't know how we got off on that, but there I go on a tangent. I wanted to talk about this. Uh, there was a post made on... Uh, March 28th, so what was that, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, and the post says, survival mode is supposed to be a phase that helps save your life, it's not meant to be how you live, this is from Michelle Rosenthal, author of Your Life After Trauma, I've not read the book, Life After Trauma, I find that to be a very interesting quote, and it speaks directly to um, the reality that coping mechanisms that are developed in one place can linger much longer than what they're needed. We talked about that a little bit last night. So when we survival mode, but though, but something that we have to note is survival mode isn't necessarily something that is being actively picked, actively consciously chosen. And that's kind of what got talked about in the comments, and I found it really interesting, the concept that some people think that someone is literally choosing to live in survival mode versus understanding that the amygdala is sensitive, and it senses stress and distress and dis-ease, and then it expresses cortisol, the stress hormone, and our brains become overwhelmed with the stress hormone. And in that place, our fight, flight, and freeze and fawn mechanisms kick into gear. And so some people, their brains are so sensitive and they've had little, very little support in being able to manage that level of sensitivity because of trauma that it's very hard for them to not continue to function in survival mode because that's those are we're talking about the amygdala 
We're talking about the hormone cortisol. We're talking about neurological pathways or coping mechanisms, ways of thinking and perceiving that have all been well ingrained in the mind-body system. And if the trauma happened pre-birth to around, around age four or five, then we're also talking about the reality that the nervous system has been developed. Those, those are the formative years because your brain is in formation. And when trauma is occurring during the formative years, then your brain doesn't have a before the trauma. It is rooted and it grows, it grew in trauma. Just like if you take a daisy and you put the daisy in water that has green food coloring, what's going to happen to the daisy? It's going to turn green. Get it? If the brain is rooted in trauma, the trauma permeates the mind-body system very similar to that green water being soaked up into the daisy and turning the whole daisy green. So, survival mode is supposed to be a phase that helps save your life. It's not meant to be how you live. And yet, many people do, but it's not because they necessarily choose that. It's because the timing of the trauma and the formation of the brain make it really difficult to step outside of those very entrenched coping mechanisms and ways of viewing the world. So, yeah, so the love that you give when you're pouring all that love in, one thing we know it's doing is it's helping build, in, build oxytocin at the brain level. And when oxytocin is present, that helps to modulate the cortisol. So if you like, everybody's like, man, that's a good explanation. I like that visual. If you like that visual, then imagine that the love that you are pouring into your child is like clear, not just clear water, but clear, sweet water. Because when you add a little bit of Sprite or a little bit of sugar to the water that the daisy's sitting in, the daisy will last longer. Flowers last longer when they have a little Sprite mixed in with their water. So a little extra sweetness to that clear water. Imagine when you're doing daily time in, that's like watering your daisy with clear, sweet water to help flush out the trauma. Now that doesn't, it's not as literal as that. It takes time, it takes repetition, but to think that people are literally actively making the choice um, I, I would invite you to reconsider the fact that anyone is actively making a choice to live in survival mode. It is a condition of the brain, and the love that you give helps to recondition the brain that there's more safety than they realized, that the world is a safer place than what they experienced at a different time in life, that there's plenty of love, there's plenty of food, there's plenty of room, there's plenty of love. Oftentimes, survival mode gets activated when there's a feeling of lack. And so helping them remember that there is plenty, plenty, plenty. And love is a beautiful thing. The more we spread it, the more it grows. So if you've not already done so today, anything you've been teaching about, stressing about, fussing about, I want you to set it aside. Press pause on all that 
all that frantic being afraid that they're not going to get where they need to go because they're going to get there. They're going to get there. And everything that you're wanting for them is right on the other side of relationship. So push pause on all of that, all that stress, and go be the clear, sweet water that your little daisies need. Their language, their most preferred language is love, is love and play when they're little. When they're a little bigger, it might be creating, it might be cooking, it might be music, it might be reading a book, it might just be being in their space. You don't necessarily, it's not about the words. It's not about necessarily the words that you choose. It's about the position of your heart. So when you push pause and everything you've been stressing about and you go to spend time with your kids, let them feel the love you have for them. Let it just flow out of you. Let it flow from your eyes, from your facial expression, from your energy, whether you're just flopping on the bed, watching TV with them for a few minutes, whether you're wrestling and playing, whether you're playing catch, shooting some hoops, watching some TV, whatever it looks like in your family, the love that you're pouring into them is one of the most significant ways to have a positive impact on their development. Flow. That's right, Mr. Harold. Flow. I like that. So I hope you guys have a blessed, blessed evening. Remember what Brian tells us. In any moment, we can act out of our blueprints the world blueprints of stress and fear and overwhelm, or we can take one to two to three deep breaths, maybe 10, maybe five minutes, whatever you need to get yourself grounded and you can choose love. Much love, you guys. Hope you have a blessed evening and we will see you all tomorrow.